Welcome to Actors Talk. You've found your way to episode 59 of the Actors Talk podcast. This is the Rogues episode of Actors Talk. Rogues of L.A., that is, with producer, writer, Marcus Flanagan, and Rogues of L.A. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Actors Talk. As I said, it's episode 59. My name is Tommy G. Kendrick. I am the producer and host of our digital get-together, and I'm so happy that you have tuned in to this episode. Rogues of L.A., what is it? It's a new web series that may just change your perception of what a web series is. I don't know how many web series you've seen, but this is a good one, as we say here in Texas. A good one indeed. Rogues of L.A., produced and written, conceived by Marcus Flanagan. Marcus is a wonderful actor and a wonderful teacher. If you are a longtime listener here on Actors Talk, maybe you remember my interview a couple of years ago with Marcus in episode 12 about his book, One Less Bitter Actor. One Less Bitter Actor. It is an outstanding book for every actor, no matter where you are on your journey, but especially good if you're just at the beginning stages of the actor's journey, check that out. That's at actorstalkpodcast.com slash 012, episode 12 of Actors Talk with Marcus Flanagan. I'll get to that interview with Marcus in just a moment, but I wanted to give out a thanks for these instructors of a, of a class I just wrapped up. It was the ACX Masterclass, a, a class that was all about audiobook narration, something that I knew nothing about, but something I had had a desire to do. I was going to this ACX site. ACX is Audiobook Creation Exchange, and it is a site that's owned by audible.com. I think they're the biggest purveyor of audiobooks in the land, and they are owned in turn by Amazon. So they have this site called ACX Audiobook Creation Exchange is what that stands for, acx.com. And it's kind of a clearinghouse where authors and rights holders and publishers can go with their, with their books that they want to get turned into audiobooks, and they match up with narrators there. And there's some real tricks to making that site work for you if you're an actor, and sort of that was some of what this class was about, but it was much more in-depth than that. But I want to thank Dan O'Day and David H. Lawrence, the 17th, the instructors of the ACX Master Class. It is not a cheap class. It is a high-value class, though. It's not often in the acting business when you say somebody charged me a lot of money for this service or that service, and I got much more than I paid for. But this is one of those cases. So if you have interest in narrating audiobooks, I would encourage you to go get on their their list for when they do the class again. It's a once a year class at this point, and this was it for 2015. But go over to acxmasterclass.com and sign up for their newsletter, and that way you'll be notified the next time they do a an in-depth class like this. And it is a tremendous class. Like I say, one of the best classes I have taken in 35, 37 years as an actor. And that's that's saying a lot. It really is. It's just tremendous. So thanks to those guys. They are outstanding teachers. They have hearts that are the hearts of teachers. They're not out to just take somebody's money. They are mentors and teachers, and they deserve a lot of support and accolades for taking that sort of approach to what they're doing. So thanks to Dan O'Day and David H. Lawrence, the 17th. Another guy that falls right in there with that same sort of description, a mentor, a teacher, someone who has the heart of a teacher and the goods to teach something to you is Marcus Flanagan. So I'm really happy to have Marcus back on the show to talk about a series he has created called Rogues of L.A. I won't try to describe it to you here. We're going to talk all about it in the interview, but listen up because there's some sort of special things that he has to say, not only about his show, but about potential opportunities for you if you are a producer, a writer in some other city than Los Angeles there may be an opportunity to sort of partner up with what Marcus is doing 
And if not, maybe it will just inspire you to produce your own show about whatever it is you want to do, but inspire you of a way to get started in doing that. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with Mr. Marcus Flanagan, where we're talking Rogues of L.A., that website, by the way, is roguesofla.com, where you can watch those episodes online. Here we go, Marcus Flanagan. But let's talk about this web series that you have created and that you're writing and acting in called Rogues of LA. First of all, just sort of what is the elevator pitch for what the series is about? And then I want to ask you some, some questions about the development and production of it. Okay. Um, and listen, I just want to preface this too by saying I didn't know for a long time, and I don't know why, but the, the Amazon link to help support you know your podcast, I just discovered that recently for some reason going to your site. I never knew it. So now every time I go to Amazon, I go through your site. Oh, thank you. With the idea that... You know, I'm going there anyway, and you do such a massive service for so long to the, you know, education of actors everywhere, man, globally. It's just massive how big your podcast is. It just seems like such a simple gesture. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. And and that's why I, you know, put that there. I I don't like to ask for money and I don't want to do a subscription service (laughs) or that kind of stuff. You know, I want it to all be free. And so, you know, I I appreciate you saying that very much. Listen, I get the same thing. Look, you know, I did the same thing with Rogues, you know, to try and raise money to make it to make it shoot. I did an Indiegogo campaign and it is you got to promote and push and it becomes uncomfortable to ask friends and family, hey, support this thing I'm doing. But why it's valuable. The elevator pitch on the on the, the show is that this is a group of millennials. And the millennial, you know, point of view is I want to contribute. I want to be, you know, good to the society and charity uh, of my choice. And, and, and I know that my responsibility, they have this lovely feeling of responsibility to the whole, the community. But a lot of them, you know, don't know where to put their energy. And so, my elevator pitch on the on the show is, you know, here's a group of kids that wanted to contribute, can't find a way because they don't have the money, you know, the trust fund, A or B. They're not geniuses that can write code and build an app that's going to change the lives of everyone around them. So what can they do? And they sit frustrated and they come up with this idea of becoming rogues. And I use the term rogue as a, um, you know, I, I, I invert the term as a positive. They are people who slip into the lives and become, you know, helpful into the lives of other people to help them solve the everyday stuff that comes up in life that's just hard to solve in the conventional way of, you know, legal or police or therapy. It's just these niggling items we all have. And so by accident, this, you know, main kid discovers he's in this weird position to do this good by these people. And it sparks his idea. What if I actually put us in the line of fire and we did this by request and we became this, you know, thing I'm going to call rogues. We just slip into people's lives and we we change who we are and we don't necessarily lie and deceive. It's not run, jump and chase. But what if we could on a very community micro level be superheroes with what we can do? And, and he's just an everyday guy, you know, college educated. His best friend's a girl. Same thing. They met in college. They're best friends. And she's a waitress. And he uh, is a contract cleaning guy in office buildings at night. And that's they're just kicking around until this idea strikes him. And she gets on board. And then I play um, her uncle. Uh, and I'm a lawyer. Um, so that all the things they're going to do get run through me, this lawyer, to be sure that this isn't going to put them in jeopardy or cross the line legally, and they can continue to find solutions to. So, for example, in episode, what's going to be episode number uh, four, a friend comes forward and says, this woman is dying. Um, She's not long for the world and gave up a child when she was very young and has attempted to meet the child, but the child hasn't, you know, responded to the request. 
and she would just like to know who this kid is. And so they take on that rogue, you know, they check it out. And because this guy works in office buildings at night, our main character, Finn, he's able to go into one of the places he works as a county building. And he looks up the records, the adoption <laughs> records. Because, of course, he cleans everybody's and he sees all the passwords and he finds his way in. And it's a gray area. He says, you know, it's not illegal. I do work here. I have access to the computers. But, you know, so they bend it just a little. It's not. And they find out who the kid is. Then they come to me, the lawyer, and they say, we want to do this. And I say, you can't. Don't do it. So they decide they're going to find out not by presenting it to the kid, but just by kind of being around the kid and seeing how he feels. And sure enough, he's not into it. He doesn't want to meet his birth mother. So they find another way for her to meet him. And they simply put them in the room together. While he's talking about his life, she's at the chair behind him, hearing and meeting, quote unquote, meeting her son before she dies. Mm. And so they rogue, you know, I'm using it as a verb. Right. They rogue this woman into her dying wish without this kid, you know, his privacy being violated or his world being upset by this woman's needs. They find a way to. So, you know. That's the idea behind rogues. How can we constantly find and fix and help people? So they step in and it's a bit risky, but you know, the end result is she walks away very happy and this kid is none the wiser. And he's made a couple of friends that just came by to chat with him on his job. No one's hurt. And so it's all win-win and the rogues, you know, have a, have another adventure where, and they don't charge. It's a pay it forward sort of thing. They don't charge. It's just their contribution and it makes them, you know, excited. And uh, it's all very clever for them to be finding solutions, but they contribute. They're well, adding. They're man, I, I love the concept. It's so yeah. open ended. That's right. You know, because, I mean, you can you could go forever Never. with this. Yeah. Was this conceived by you? And you're, you're the writer and, and main producer, as I understand it. Was this conceived as a web series or were you thinking of it as a pitch for a TV series or what? No, 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 totally. Because it, it, Tommy, the whole point of this is, you know, it all keeps wrapping into itself. What can I do that I can actually accomplish to keep myself busy and creative? And I say this to anybody listening who is dying to do their own thing, to be creative and have something. I've written scripts. I've sold scripts. And, you know, the bulk of them sit on the shelf waiting for potential to come so you can see your characters come to life. And it's the same. You go to class and you and you do your scenes and you think, I'm sitting here as potential. I could be so good in that role. I could be great in this play. And yet I'm sitting here waiting for that thing to happen because productions are hard. It's hard to mount up a whole, you know, and I've learned by doing this. It's hard. There's a lot of elements that come together. But I'm just in a lucky position where, um, you know, I'm at this a lot of years. I work at a university and I teach a lot of students. So I'm able to ask a lot of people for a lot of favors with the idea that join me on this thing where we actually get to do something. If you like the script, join me. If it's not your you know, thing, that's totally fine. But here's an opportunity. And so it was really totally written out of what can I accomplish with who and where? And that's what I wrote. Knowing that I could shoot this much, almost all the scenes at the time were set, you know, at a coffee shop or on a bench, because that's all I knew I could get. And I knew I had to make something happen. I couldn't take the script out and hope ABC loved it and put millions behind it. And it was the new thing. I know from experience that's a long journey and often doesn't end up with anything other than a long journey, you know? Mm -hmm. So my experience in trying to sell scripts and trying to raise money for my own features, it's only a million dollars. I only need $1.7 million, you know, and this person's attached. That actor loves it. It's a long, long chase your tail. And many, many, you know, most of the time, 99% of the time it ends up with, yeah, it's a close, but they don't want it. And you're back to starting again with another company, another executive, another six months and phone calls, nothing gets accomplished. So this was all about what can I do? So it evolved into 
um, here's what I have, here's who I have, here's where I have. And I wrote with that in mind, what can I accomplish? The main concept of helping each other on a community level was that thing as well. I don't need to be held hostage by actors. So I'm not going to hang the whole thing on two actors. And if they're busy, I can't shoot. What could I write and make that I could turn into enough scenarios that if they're busy, I can shoot with these other two people because the storylines can be separate and yet all part of the whole. How can I do that? So again, you know, I can't ask people to work for free on my schedule. How do I keep myself available to keep putting something out there on the schedules that I'm, I'm stuck with? Without a budget, it's all favors. So it came out of the necessity of I want to do something and the convention of I know enough about this to make myself build something that's doable, that's shootable. And my big concept, my ultimate concept, is that this will become a model and I will attract other filmmakers like me and I will, in effect, create a franchise, a web series franchise by people who want to do the very same thing. And I can help them along with the ideas and the concepts because, you know, it's a universal thing. But in their community, what problems could they solve as rogues of Austin or rogues of San Antonio, rogues of Denver? So they fund themselves. I can give them oversight. We can help them with, you know, basic setup stuff, solving problems, production stuff. But they basically run their own series along the same lines. I'll oversee scripts if they'd like. And then we have a channel that's rogues of all these different cities. I do my 10 episodes, you do your 10, so-and-so does his 10, and suddenly on this one channel, there's 40 or 50 episodes of rogues because they each tell different stories in different towns, but you know, I didn't have to write and do 50 episodes, but my channel has 50 episodes. That's, well, that's awesome, yeah. That's, yeah, I think, I think it'll open doors for you know me, the frustrated filmmaker, actor, creative, who has a group around him that says, yes, but what? And how many web series sit there four or five episodes in dead in the water because they simply can't keep supporting it or it just didn't get enough eyeballs to support it. But, you know, if you're going to see my show because you like it, I got a lot of eyeballs and then you click on, you know, Rogues of San Antone, there's all those eyeballs looking at that. And suddenly as a concept, it's being viewed, not just my show is spectacular because we're always on a budget. We're always doing the best we can do under the conditions. But the key to it to me is that you do something, that you start the ball and you do something because it's infinitely more rewarding to be working towards something as frustrating as it is to get it going than it is to be sitting waiting to find out if you're gonna be able to go work on something. It's so much more frustrating to sit there, you know, empty and aimless with potential in your chest you know, aching to come out. Well, that's, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this. I, I just, I'm just getting so excited just listening to you talk about the project and it is so incredibly important. I think, especially in the day in which we live where you now have the technology at your fingertips where you can do this and are, and other people can do it as well. And you don't, and you're not, and you don't have to sit and wait for an agent to call or a casting person or whoever to call and give you permission to do something. You're out doing something proactively. And that is incredibly important. It is, it is. And, and, and it's a good habit to get into for anybody creative that the proaction, even though they're setbacks just becomes the habit of it's all possible if I simply engage. And the number one thing is you simply ask, you ask for what you need from the people that you think can give it to you. And either they or they, somebody they know, or uh, some avenue. But the process of asking, because what I did was I set this up as an extension of my studio, my, my teaching studio, my private studio. Is, okay. Right? Because the 20th century model is you have a, an acting studio, so many actors, and you then put on plays, right? You just continue and you then have a theater company that comes out of your acting class. And I didn't want to do that. I'd done that before, and that's really arduous. So I decided I would do 21st century, and I'd do a web series that is an extension of all the work we do at the studio. 
So we all then graduate into this web series. It's, you know, the same level of hassle in production, but it's, of course, with equipment. You know, a stage, yes, there's some things, but you still got to rent a stage, and it's different than having a lights and camera and sound. And But what I didn't know, I asked for. And who I didn't know, I asked around. And I found the same amount of people like me were standing around saying, yeah, I'll come out and do it with you because I just want to do something. And if you're going to get the ball rolling, I'll join you. It's when you sit with a whole group of six or seven people and you say, how can we all get this going that you'll sit in committees for weeks and months because no one wants to be the one person that's just going to shove the thing forward. So it was like I wrote it, I set a date, and I started asking. And I'm not going to say I knew it was going to work and I had total faith. I just kept going with the idea that it will or it won't. You know, it's going to happen or it's not. But it's not because I didn't try. It's not because it, it won't work because it simply can't work. That's all I'm going to learn is. <laughs> and I learned the opposite. Yeah. The you, first time around was exhausting. I did uh, not have a crew. I had just a few volunteers that helped me as long as they could. So most of the hard, heavy lifting, literally heavy lifting of equipment and things, setup, lights, everything was me and, you know, another person and the DP. And, you know, I had a director and the actors did come. And, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe, all that was sort of left to the actors, you know, you know, do the best you can, try and wear something blue, that sort of thing. But I literally would, you know, load a push cart with all the equipment to shoot and push it to the next location on the campus, which was a bonus because the campus gave us 10 or 20 locations in the same, you know, whatever, 300 square feet, you know, of grass and stuff. So I... So that was good, but I was physically setting it up, then putting on the wardrobe, shooting the scene, and then holding the boom for the next scene. You know, so it was exhausting. Right. But right. I was never happier. I was never happier. Absolutely. Accomplishing. Yeah. And that was a big part of also the point of the show. They want to do something. They want to accomplish something. They want to contribute. And there I was in the same state of mind. We are actually pulling this off seven pages a day. Seven pages a day is wow. outrageously fast, but we pulled it off. And, you know, the quality is the quality. It, because of the budget and the constraints, it's the quality. It's the most we could do. The shots are good. The acting is good. It's, it's above most web series. It's above most web series. Well, it's, it's, it's above most web series in several ways, actually. And I was, I was watching the newest the episode this morning. And, and I think the second episode is even better than the first. In, yeah. in my opinion, which, which hopefully, you know, I'm sure you're yeah. hoping that's the way it goes. The cinematography is good. The acting is good. The lighting is good. You know, it, it all looks very professional and, you know, I mean, it looks really good and you have good actors in it. Not only some of your student actors, but you have some really experienced, uh, you know, a couple of people, I guess, maybe they're friends of yours. I don't know, but they're, you know, really no, impressive. Every, I mean, everything is, all this is a spoke of me, right? I mean, that's the center of it. So again, with, with a committee, there could be seven people that say they'll play that role. Right. But what I had to do was say, here's my first choice. Go out to them and say, would you do it or no? I need to know. And I didn't send them the script, by the way. This was all, there's no money. I will use you the shortest period of time I can. But I'm basically going to say, here's a small window of two or three days. I need to know you're available. I won't burn your hours on the set. I won't just, you know, I'm not going to be inefficient. We're good at that. But I just want you to do the role because it's me and we're doing it. I don't really care if you like the role or you don't. I just want to know if you'll do it for me. And every person said, sure. Yeah. And that I didn't count on. I, I thought my SAG actor friends would say, no, it's not money. It's a web series. Those things are uh, beneath me. I have way too much experience to come out and work for free for you. I really did, and I expected that. So when I got these lovely responses, uh, I thought I'd be using all students. When I got these lovely responses from people, it opened my eyes to, if you just ask, you'd be shocked at what you get. If you're saying, I want to include you on this you know, thing that we get to do, and it's this journey of, and you know, I would pitch them, it's the story of these people that solve problems. The other thing was interesting was, you know, I became SAG signatory. And so all my, you know, expensive SAG actors could go to work legally. Right. I became a SAG signatory and you have to write up contracts for them. And not one actor asked me what they were being paid or when. Not one. They just signed the contract. 
And of course, my my non-SAG actors are all SAG now. They all became SAG eligible from my web series, which in our part of the world where SAG has a great deal of influence on the career of an actor. I know that in Texas, there's a lot of freeloaders that take advantage of SAG rules, but don't pay for SAG. Right. Um, but in my part in California, getting a SAG card is monumental, A, and B, really hard, incredibly hard. Yeah. So one of my actors, six, seven years, he's been an actor, has not been able to get his SAG card. And he works all the time, non-union, this and that, has not been able to get the card. He got it on my web series because they have this, you know, uh, stipulation, a web series with a seasoned, not just a SAG actor, but a seasoned SAG actor that is signatory, uh, makes people that work alongside that SAG actor eligible to Taft Hartley in and become a SAG actor. So uh, on top of this, by people just saying, yes, 10 actors have had their career started right out of college they got their cards see There's that's no in, that's incredibly important and and people people think maybe they'll do an ultra low budget project but the ultra low budget pro, uh, contract actually does not allow uh, for this process that you just described whereas the new media agreement does so that's awesome it does if it's a seasoned actor so you can't be a newbie and get your buddies in and right, right. So it was important to me to bring in people like R.D. Call, who you recognized in episode two. And Absolutely, Austin, yeah. And Art Roberts. Austin, you know, and the, yeah, and Art Roberts and, and Austin and these guys right alongside my students, you know. Plus, it helps their experience of working along actors who are so comfortable on a set and watching just how they do things and how they relate to the set and the people on the set and all of that is experience you can't get unless you're on a set working, unless you're doing it. And then, of course, you're up to the hurdle of how do I get to work? How do I do, you know? So it's, it's a lovely hybrid. I run it all like sets I've been on my whole career. Everything is treated the exact same way. It's just, of course, you know, smaller scale because of our budget. But if you come to my set, you experience what a set's like. Not a student project that's chaotic because no one really knows what they're doing and we're all learning together. I'm shooting a show and people are learning from it. So there's a great value in, you know, again, people like me in different cities saying, let me create something because if I ask enough people, they're going to jump on board because there's no other place to get that experience and do that and, and basically have the fun of making a show. Everyone wants it to be a great show, of course. And you pray. I mean, there's so many elements. You pray that it's going to be a great show. But the one thing you can count on, good show or not, is the experience of doing it. And if you if you make that like I did, the stipulation is you come and do the show because you want to do the show, not because the role is good or bad beneath you, above you. It's because I've said, work with me. Let's have an experience. Everybody did. And hence, everyone's being the paid, paid the same. We're all on the same level. Everyone's being paid the same. Zero. So you can't really... <laughs> There's no trailers. There's no hierarchy. Everybody's there doing it for the same reason. And it really did create fun. They loved it. So much so that my experienced actors, you know, Austin and RD uh, and Art, you know, first question when I rapped was, you know, what's the next, what's the next episode? When do we come back? You know, shocking. Yeah, that's really? great. That's you know, great. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. And so I put out my Indiegogo campaign and I wanted a lot more money than I got trying to make it so we could shoot the whole season. I knew I had the money in the bank. I didn't get that much money. I wrote them all in email and I said, I didn't get what I thought I could get. I don't know that I can pay you. My whole goal was to raise that money so that actors get paid. It's my, it, it bothers me as an actor to not pay you for your time. But again, I didn't get as much as I did. Most of it's going to go to physical costs. You know, since I can't pay you and I thought I could promise that, I'm letting you know I want to continue with you. I just I just have to continue in this way. And just being earnest, everyone emailed me back and said, don't need the money. I'm in. So I was able to shoot, you know, my second, uh, my my fourth, fifth and sixth episodes. Because you're just up front and that really is important. Here's what I have. And I'm not being paid. And you'll see that I work the hardest on the set. So. 
it's not as if I'm saying, come here, let me take advantage of you. Right. They see that it's an earnest effort. And the second I get money, you'll get money. If we get sold, everyone gets rich. To me, it's a better environment than I'm in the producer's chair and you're all lucky to be with me. It makes, I, I've been on so many sets where that's the case. Mm -hmm. And there's so much fear and there's so much anxiety because there's so much money at stake that the show hit or not is an awful experience. The actors and the, and the crew are just terrible to each other. And I think you walk away from it saying, all I got out of that was a paycheck and a credit, but my soul hurts from what I just did. Mm -hmm. That feels awful. And so when people say to me, you were on friends, the first thing that hits me is, yeah, but uh, it wasn't that fun. It was kind of a crappy week. I didn't really enjoy the job. When they say, yeah, I saw you on Seinfeld. First thing I think is, and Jerry's the greatest guy in the world. Let me tell you about that week. That was, un that was the best time I ever, immediately I go to the experience, not, you know how much I got paid? Do you know how many people recognize me? Mm. It never occurs to me as the artist to relate the success of the job to the paycheck or the notoriety. It always comes back to what did I go through to complete that? Yeah. Let me remind the listener, I'm speaking with Marcus Flanagan, and we're speaking about a web series that he has created and is available now at roguesofla.com. That is the name of the series, Rogues of LA. And uh, Marcus, uh, boy, th this is so exciting. If someone is hearing this now that, that says, you know what, I want to get in bo on board with that guy and maybe try this in my city, how would they get in touch with you? What would be, what would be the process? Probably the easiest uh, way is through my, um, you know, my website for my uh, my acting studio. So Marcus with a K, M A R K U S, Marcus with a K, at WestlakeActingStudio.com. Okay, and I'll put a I'll put a link to that in the show notes, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, how many episodes did you envision for the first season of Rose? In my mind, I was thinking nine or ten, whatever I could accomplish. Right. But that's the minimum, nine or ten. And I will tell you, when I wrote it initially, I wrote it as a 30-minute show. Because at the time, I had somebody saying to me, if you can do that on your scale and budget, I will buy it and put it on my channel, which is a Roku channel, a small channel. But they said, we need content. Mm -hmm. we, need, we need 30 minutes. So I did. I wrote and I shot 30 minutes. And that person ultimately said, actually, yeah, I can't do it. So I had this 30 minutes. Oh, boy. And then I went out to, you know, my research and people that have done it, friends that have their own web series. And it came back that, you know, web series are kind of an eight to 10 minute world. You don't really do 30 minutes on the web. It's, so I was, you know, good and bad. Now I have three episodes instead of one, but I have to cut it up. So the first three, as you watch them, are actually um, out of order the way I wrote when we, you know, originally envisioned it. Ah, and so okay. I chopped them up. And so the little cliffhangers at the end of each one is just, you know, designed to keep you going because essentially the first three are the pilot. They're the setup. Right. And they pay off. And then after that, now that I figured out our format, I now write the same thing. I still write 30 or 32 pages, but I write it with a, with a basically sort of natural break at about 10 or 11 pages. So every 10 or 11 minutes, it's an episode. Okay. And, and when, so and when you're shooting now, you shot the first 30 minute segment, let's call it for the, at one right. time. Right. Correct. Okay. So oh, yeah. now have, have, and you've moved on to further episodes. Correct. Yeah. So how long a shooting schedule does it take you to get the, you know, the, chunk of that you're going to shoot at one time does it take a week does it take a few days what? yeah four days four days okay. i i figured out that we can do seven and a half to eight pages a day and so i schedule essentially four seven page days and i write somewhere between 28 and 32 pages and so that's been you know what i've discovered so far when i shoot again uh as everybody seems to be on board and the episodes are getting a lot more, I mean, you know, the fact that there's two and the third will be out in another couple of weeks. Um, there's a little momentum of what's next, what's next. Uh, you know, to complete the season, I'll shoot three or four is my thought. And I will shoot for either four or six days to get those three or four 
And, you know, we'll move at the same pace, about seven pages a day. I shoot at a university called California Lutheran University here in Thousand Oaks, where I live. And they give me a lot of grace and uh, rental equipment because I'm faculty. So I get to use any of the equipment there. And of course, then a lot of my students that I teach at Cal Lutheran want to be on board and they come and they help for the hours. Uh, but another thing I didn't count on was, uh, you know, my thinking I'm begging a favor of somebody, but I forget that they're, they're actors and they are interested. So I didn't realize, you know, for them, there's a theater school. They don't really have a film, you know, program for the theater students. So they're on a set potentially for the first time ever. And it's fascinating. So them just sitting there, quote, bored, they're not bored. They're fascinated by this process of, I want to go into this. I had no idea. This was everything that I just thought we sat and acted. All this goes into it. So they get to watch other actors and hold a boom pole at times and set lights for me and understand why the dolly moves here and there. But that also, I thought, I sat very guilty with the idea that I need the labor because I can't afford to you know, pay a crew. So I was doing all this posturing of, you know, if I could just get you for a couple of hours and then, you know, sure. And I find that they would just hang, you know, five, six hours. And I'd say, wow, you're still here with me. And they'd say, yeah, what do you need? So then I started to have this steady group of five people that were there eight and 10 hours with me all day, whatever you need. Why? It's fascinating. And I didn't catch that. And, you know, wow, I'm learning. Okay. I take this for granted. I've been on a lot of sets. This is boring to me in terms of moving lights is that, but it's not new to me. That's why it's boring. To right. Me. The fun stuff for me is watching the scene come alive and me being able to direct it, blah, blah. It's not fun moving lights, but for them, why do you need lights? Oh, geez, that's right. I take that for granted. That's not basic. That's I mean, basic to you. That's wow. Okay. So I had plenty of help and hands-on help, you know, everything catering. And so, so Again, if you're going to build this yourself, all you do is you ask because you never know who wants to simply be on a set all day. Or, you know, I'll be an extra. I can't think of anything more boring than being an extra. What are you kidding? I'm in the <laughs> shop. I'm in the background. I guess that's true. I, I guess it would be fun for you. I, you know, that's, that's interesting to me. So those are, those are my learning curves. Right. Of, I got to do all this by myself. And then you start to push in different directions. And you realize there's people saying that would be fun for me, too. Since no one's being paid, there's really no arrogance. When money comes in, we'll have another chat and we'll see, you know, if money ever comes in, we'll have a chat and see if the tide has turned and everyone has decided that, you know, they're getting beneath their value. But I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. I just want to get to a place of knowing that I can comfortably pull a budget together to simply shoot at the same scale. You know, the shots are pretty and the movement of the shots and the creation and the script can expand a little because we can afford to shoot in different ways, not just two people in chairs. That would be great. But then to get into, you know, salaries and get into a big budget, though exciting, I don't foresee happening out of a web series. Yeah. But, you know, well, the show has, the show has a great look. I, I was watching the second episode today and I was uh, showing Jane, my wife, I said, look, yeah. look, look at this camera angle here. You yeah. don't see that in a web series. That's you right. know? I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's so professionally done that, that people, yeah. you, you really do have to, to check it out. Have you been able to use this, the same uh, camera crew or a DP exactly. through the whole, all, yeah. all the episodes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, everyone has stayed on. The director is an old friend of mine. We did our very first movie together in 19, I think, 86 or 7, a low-budget film in Brooklyn, New York. And um, his name is Stuart Alexander. Uh -huh. And, you know, his first film, my first film, stayed friends, what, 30 years later-ish. And he's directing, you know, the show for me. And so we're kind of side by side. Um, we have an agreement that it's, uh, you know, I'm the executive producer, so it's it's my call on all things. It's my show, it's my vision, it's my... So, you know, he sets up all the shots and I can walk in and change anything and direct the actors and such, but, you know, if he's not there and I have to direct it, there's no, there's no elegance to the shots because I have way too much to do and direct. So he's a lifesaver, but also he has a great vision and he's thrilled to um, direct. And so... I mean, I know that these people exist everywhere. Sure. There's just somebody sure. everywhere that's watched, you know, that's maybe shot, you know, dozens of their own, 
that's just looking for a place to contribute that has great vision. Um, but central control, you know, again, central control is going to be key because it's such a simple, fragile thing. If it goes out to a committee, it can, it can be talked about until it never happens. And it is a house of cards right before we shoot because I'm working with people's work schedules. My lead guy, his name is Jordan Skinner. Mm-hmm. My lead guy flies in from New York City to play the role on his own dime. Wow. He's one of my students, and uh, I taught him here in Thousand Oaks and then sent him to the neighborhood playhouse in New York City. And he did two years at the neighborhood because that's what I teach, the Meisner technique, and said, you know, you should go. And he went, graduated. And then I was about to shoot, and I said, you know, the guy for the lead. And, of course, my, you know, friend of mine said, well, ask Jordan. I said, he's in New York. And he said, yeah, but ask. (laughs) And I just thought, it's silly, because every time I need him, he's got to fly in and I'm, I'm, it's short sighted for me. I can't shoot at a moment's notice. I mean, my lead guy's in, in New York, but I'll work around. He's short. He said, yeah. So we went and shot the second, you know, we shot in January. I shoot when the campus is empty because of course it's easier without the life of the students and the faculty, you know, having to move around for this series. So it's, it's empty. So, you know, it's always on the breaks. That's when I get to shoot on the, on the campus. And, so I flew back in, you know, in January and we did it and he, you know, couldn't wait to get here. Um, and his, uh, his girlfriend, there's a girl named Katie Widman and she is also one of my students that is now living in New York and I, she's in the show. So they both flew back at their own expense to be in the show. But when you're juggling people's work schedules and you think you're shooting their stuff Friday and they get off on Friday and then everything switches for whatever reason to Thursday, you got to start calling and saying, can you ask your boss to get you Thursday, not Friday? It's a house of cards. It's mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so it takes a single, in my experience right now, it takes a single person with some support staff, you know, some hopeful assistant or something to pull it off. But I think if four or five people were producing it all at the same time, I, I don't know why, but I, th- I don't know if that'd be easier. I, it might be. Yeah. I just don't have that experience yet. I only say that as, as advice to, to people who are considering um, doing their own thing. Right. And, and what I would invite people to do, if you are intrigued by this, and I can't imagine that you aren't, is go, go to roguesofla.com, watch the episodes. And I think the first thing you're going to see is that maybe if you have a perception of a web series of something that's sort of amateur night in Dixie, which a lot of them are, of course, This will change your mind. This will show you some of the possibilities that you can do something that is a very professional looking product and it it can be good. And just just because you're doing it for the web and on a limited budget doesn't mean it it can't be good. And I, I think that's the first thing you should do. And then maybe consider getting in touch with Marcus if you have uh, an inclination that you'd like to start a franchise of rogues in your location. That'd be a great idea. And, you know, my DP was an acting student of mine. His name is Wes Greeson. But he owns, you know, all his own lighting and camera because he loves it. He loves shooting. Right. And he ultimately wants to direct, right? But he, he loves shooting. So he loves what he does with the image and with the camera and with the lighting, what that can do. He also owns the sound equipment so that he can shoot his own. I mean, that's how he earns his living, by shooting things for people. But yeah. But, you know, the idea is that if I just get a specialist in each area that loves that thing and they're friends. Right. Right. And I trust them to um, bring their expertise to it with that thing. Hey, we're we're doing this because we can and want to. And it isn't so that you get a reel and I get a a director's reel and we showcase it and we all make a million dollars. We're doing it because there's a story here we want to tell. And if we do it right, we can continue to make this product and do it and tell the story. And that will keep us all vital creatively. If we're after the money and what this might bring, I think you're going to corrupt the immediate process because the goal isn't on the show. The goal then is what is the show going to get me? And that, that becomes where the disparity happens on the set. Um, so I got Wes knowing how much he cares about the image and Stu, knowing how much he cares about making the shots as cool as he can make them under the given circumstance, you know, the conditions. And then I, you know, infuse that with my overall 
uh, belief in the project being bigger than all of us. You know, like in theater, the script is the thing. It's not all the separate elements. We're serving the words in the story. As soon as you go to film, everyone serves themselves. The star is serving, the producer is serving the studio and the budget and the money. And then sometimes a great story in a movie happens, but most of the time, everyone's self-serving. Um, and then TV, they're serving the products, you know? So-and-so Cola doesn't like that line, the line's cut. It's not right. a big deal, we just cut the line. So, but if we treat it like theater, we're serving the story and the process of how do we tell it the best way we can, it keeps everybody with the same ethic. Do your expertise here. And uh, um, the most you contribute is is yourself great you know yourself because i don't ask anybody to put money in i try to either come out of pocket or have a budget but you know the most you're going to give me is your talent which is terrific which is all i need and kaboom the only thing i haven't you know found is a good friend that does sound so i pay for that and uh then afterwards sound editing and sound design those are costly but really important the music is all students. That's what I was going to ask you yep. about next, because your yep. music, you know, you have a theme song that is yep. outstanding. You, great, you, you have a score yep. for each episode that is yep. very good. I mean, the, the music is top notch. And that's that's from students. All students. Yeah. This is, <laughs> the, the, the theme song is a, is a student of mine. Uh, his name is Jake Newton, and he has a great music world following. I mean, I just knew him as an acting student, but he was also a musician there. And he spends more time chasing the music than he does acting, although he does well acting. He does pretty well financially acting. So, but he has two albums out and Spark is just a song I always dug, you know, and I go see him and love the song. And so I go to start the series and it's the first thing I think. That's what I want my theme to be. Send him an email your permission to use this, you know, he sends it back, you know, run with it, sir. So I know I have my theme and I have my script and I send that out to my director. You know, here's the theme, here's the, and I then later got a logo, but, you know, here's the theme song, here's the script. And he says, you know, I get it. Boom. So I'm off and running. But that's a great song. And it is. In yeah. that, he gives me a few songs of his to use as score. And then there's a girl in the show uh, the blonde girl that plays Kelly, the girl in my office. Yeah. Uh, and her name is Jessica Pearson, and her brother is a musician composer, and he lives in New York. So I send him clips. His name is Skylar Butention. And I send him clips, and he writes me music and sends me the file back, and we plug it in and watch it. Oh, man. And he'll send me two or three variations. I like this. I don't like this. I either call him or email him notes. He sends me back a file. And we plug in the music. And now there's a third person who, you know, helped on the last series of episodes that said I'm also a composer. I'd like to contribute some music. So I have, you know, three sources to go to, and they all know it's the same deal. You get nothing, but you get to work on a show. And if the time comes, I will negotiate in good faith to give you what your, you know, that what your worth is for the work you've done. If somebody throws us a pile of money, everyone knows that that's the deal. Right. But now, you know, I have three composers looking at scenes for me saying, can I contribute? Can I can I do something here? Do I get to do something here with you? And uh, uh, that's the ethic you have to continually remind yourself and everyone that, you know, we're getting to do this. And then, of course, when you put it out, they're so proud. Everybody looks at it and says, look, you know, it's done. We did it. It's, it's there. It's a tangible thing. Look at that. Wow. So I have six episodes, you know, basically to, to put out that we have shot and, you know, we're completing post on them. But basically six episodes now exist out of, you know, my idea and then a whole bunch of would you, could you, can I ask you to really, that's really how it all came together. Just, you know, and I don't want to put a. A thing out there, you know, if you just have a dream and you force and you force and you 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 push the rock up the hill and it's a, it, it really isn't that old saw of stick to the dream. Um, it's just a constructive day to day, because I'll no problem admitting, I'm as insecure as the next person. I don't know that it's going to come together, and I don't know that it's any good, and I don't know that I'm that good a writer. I just know what I like and what I want to try to do, and if you stick with at least I know this much. 
and a few people join you, you now have a product that, you know, leads to an interview with the guy in Texas who says, <laughs> I really like your show. I mean, you get in feedback. I like your show. I like that. But it isn't as if I, I stand up every day and say, I'm so accomplished and isn't this dynamite. I'm a genius. I'm terribly insecure about it. Even while we're shooting it, I listen to the lines and I think, is that everything I want to say? Is that exact? Is that good? Are they doing that because they feel bad for me? Or are they doing that because they like the scene? Are they doing this because they're doing me a favor? Or are they doing this because they like acting? All the time. So I think that's all part of it. There's no time you get totally sure and secure and say, we're geniuses. This is going to knock it out of the park ever. I, I think that's part of the creative process. I just keep asking and I keep, you know, calling the next person and nudging and hopefully trying to make the next time we shoot just physically easier on everybody, which gives you better shots, better acting and, you know, a higher level uh, uh, number and quality of shots. That's all that's all my goal is with this is, is the experience. If the money comes, which would be lovely gravy, gosh, isn't life easy? It comes. But I really don't count on it and I look forward to even the hassles of putting together my, my last the last three that I shot 19 actors went to work for those three days I put 19 friends to work for those three days and they couldn't have been happier they were all giddy at lunch and friends and blasting out on their Facebook and you know just shot this had the greatest day but think about 19 people, not the crew, just the actors. And, you know, eight of which got their SAG cards uh, that time. But something like, think about it. If you could put 19 people to work doing what they love, that's a dynamite feeling. And for what? For trying. Just for trying to do it. You know? Just for trying and making the effort to do it. 19 people looked at me and said, this was great, thanks. Well, listen, you know what? I could talk to you about this all day. You are doing a tremendous job here in so many on so many different levels. The show is good, and all the things you were just talking about now are, are just add so much depth to what you're doing. Uh, you know, I'm really excited for this, and just keep doing what you're doing, and I hope it gets you know easier on you physically and emotionally because i know you're carrying a lot of water here being the, yeah. a producer and writer uh but it but it's it's paying off i really i really believe that and um i hope that the person listening i, I just can't believe someone that's listening now isn't in, inspired by this because i'm inspired and i'm an old fart you know so uh, but uh, uh man i just i'm, I'm so uh, impressed with what you're doing and how you're doing it and of course i know you a little bit so i know the quality that you have as a person and the ethics and everything behind what you do and it's it's all you know just what what people should aspire to and i'm really impressed with what you're doing and and proud to have you on the podcast yeah thanks tommy i mean you're doing the same thing you know you're doing the same thing you for for nothing other than want man you make a lot of information about a lot of people's lives available to a lot of people well, i appreciate that that's that's certainly the goal I, one question i'll let you go i've had you here yeah. a long time the lady playing your mother in the show yeah. She seems to have the same last name as you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's my mom. You know, and, and again, I didn't, I don't have a, da a depth of, uh, you know, a database of older actresses, and my guilt wouldn't allow me to have casting. I just hate casting. As an actor, I hate auditions, and I hate the idea that I know I should embrace it and love it, but I always think, I know so many actors, why would I cast? Why, why is my insecurity so high that I can't look at a friend and say, no, you're perfect for that. Do the role. I just find that that's so shocking to me when, you know, people who make movies have friends that are actors and don't put them in it because the fear is there's somebody better out there. But with that role, the mom role, because that's the central part of the thing is this right. Alzheimer's uh, and his relationship with his mom, my, my you know, character's relationship. So, you know, my mother's not an actress, but she certainly will tell you she's an actress, you know. She doesn't really have any formal training, but mom is fearless about, you know, I can act. Oh, I can act. So I said to her, can I, you know, would you do this? And, you know, she has to have Alzheimer's. And like that, my mom said, I can do Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can do it. So, so I said, okay, you know, I need her. 
And then she said to me, I do have a friend who has experience, and I understand if you don't want me, but she will come and do it. And I just was uncomfortable asking a stranger to come and work that many days and hours as a favor. You know, I just, if I know you, I'll ask the favor. But a stranger to me, it's odd. I should, sure. I should yeah. pay you because that's your time and your energy. I should pay you. So I haven't really gone to strangers yet for casting. And again, after 30 years of doing this, I don't know that I'll have to do that anytime right. soon. Right. So, well, well, listen, tell, tell your mom this from, from me. When, when I saw that it, I did realize it was probably your mom. But the first thing I did was I went to IMDB to check her credits because I assumed that I just didn't know that your mom was an actress. Isn't that funny? So yeah. I, I think she does a tremendous job. So. Yeah, she got a lot of good reviews and her head is blowing up. <laughs> but she's quite natural. The director said he was, Stu said, you know, your mom's my favorite character in the show. She's just so natural. She's so easy. Absolutely. And, you know, she plays, and you'll see in episode three, the the Alzheimer's comes to, you know, it, it kind of shows it's, uh, uh, whatever. You know, yeah, you'll, yeah. See, you'll see. It's, okay. it, it, it blows up a bit. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's a friend's house. That's the college, you know, campus. Yeah. I don't shoot my own house. I have a hard rule. I'm not going to bring the crew to my house. I don't want them here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's just I have a couple of rules. I'm not going to have them, you know, so I'll go so far, but not that far. Right. Um, but I'll borrow somebody else's house. I just don't want them here, you know. Yeah. Now, I put actors up while they're filming. I'll put them up, but I don't want to shoot here. Sure. Uh, little tiny rules. But, yeah, you're really gracious, Tommy. And it's... um a lovely thing that you continue to do, you know, on your own time and for, for basically the interests of, of artists everywhere. So I'm happy to contribute and I'm happy to answer any questions that come my way via, via email. And, you know, I'm, I'm also happy to, uh, to write a role for that, uh, old Texas actor, <laughs> as hey, he calls you, himself. You, you, you do, you do it and I'll find a way to get there. You so. find a way to get there. We'll, find a budget to get you here but i am happy to do it i just uh boy that would be a, that would be a dream come true for me so oh man all right so, well anyway let's... well listen man i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm going to let you go but Good. i i do think we've given people enough to be intrigued about checking rogues of la out rogues of is the website and if you are interested if this idea has piqued your interest about doing something like this and associate yourself with Marcus's effort, as he has explained it. I think that's a tremendous opportunity. But even if it's just inspired you to go out and do something creative and not sit around and waiting for somebody to give you permission to work on your craft and your art, then do that. And we, we will have done something good here today. Marcus, thank you so much. Hey, you're man. very welcome. And listen, Rogues of China, Rogues of Dublin, <laughs> the, Ireland. There rogues. you go. That's right. Yep. That's yep. right. Well, the, the podcast over time has been heard in about 160 countries, not every episode, of course. Usually they go out to 40 to 60 different countries yep. per episode. So there will be people hearing about this all over the world, and and the, and they have the option of doing exactly what you're talking about. So it doesn't have to be in the States. So I got emails from my last thing, all from, from uh, the Netherlands and such, uh, the last podcast. I got emails from... You awesome, know, foreign country. So yeah, I, I know your audience yeah. is vast. That's why I say yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye right, bye. Bye bye. That was Marcus Flanagan. Awesome man. Man, I like talking to Marcus Flanagan. He inspires me every time I talk to him. <laughs> I feel like I got to go out and just do something creative and positive and move my career along. That's the impact he has on me. And uh, he is a terrific talent. Rogues of LA, thank you, Marcus. You gave us a lot to think about as usual. Go to roguesofla.com and check that out. Be sure and join me in a couple of weeks and it real, will only be a few weeks this time because I already have the interview in the can. My interview with another wonderful teacher and actor, Michael Laskin. Michael Laskin will be talking about the authentic actor. And wow, Michael has some terrific things to say as well. I'm on a roll here with some great teachers. So keep coming back and tell your friends.
Thanks a lot, everybody. That's it for this episode of Actors Talk Podcast. This is Tommy G. Kendrick. Until I see you later, hope to see you in the movies. God bless you all. That's a wrap.